You're listening to the GameStreet.biz Microcast, recorded on Thursday the 25th of May 2023. I'm James Batchelor, and this morning I am joined by... Christopher Dring. And we are, what, just over 12 hours after the end of the PlayStation Showcase. Uh, this was Sony's presentation. Uh, it was hosted last night. It's a cavalcade of trailers for both first and third party games. Uh, quite a few announcements, quite a few uh, kind of unveilings. I'm going to kind of rattle off a few of the the highlights, as it were. Um, so I think the, the one that's making headlines this morning is the Project Q handheld. This was the rumoured dedicated remote streaming device. It is essentially a DualSense controller with an 8-inch HD screen in the middle. It allows remote play over Wi-Fi from the PlayStation 5. So you're only able to play games that are installed on your PlayStation 5 console and as far as we can tell you have to be in the same building or at least uh, you know connected to a Wi-Fi uh, router and your console on in order to play it. Um, after that they kind of announced PlayStation branded Bluetooth earbuds for those who get very excited about good audio, audio quality. They finished with uh, an extensive gameplay clip of Spider-Man 2. They opened with the debut trailer for Haven Studios' first game, Fair Games, which is a kind of a multiplayer heist shooter. Uh, there was a number of games kind of unveiled for the first time in, in the middle, including you know, a mix of kind of indie and larger games. Perhaps one of the bigger ones was the rumoured Metal Gear Solid Delta Snake Eater, or as I erroneously thought of it last night, Metal Gear Solid Triangle, um, which is a remake of Metal Gear Solid 3, additionally, Konami's going to be bringing the Metal Gear Solid 1 Master Collection on the way, so that's the first three games in the series coming to PlayStation later. Um, we saw Alan Wake 2, we saw Assassin's Creed Mirage, uh, Dragon's Dogma 2 got its first trailer. There was kind of, there was a lot, I'm not going to be able to you know, rattle them all off here, but those felt like uh, particular highlights. Chris, were there any that you thought really stood out to you? Um, yeah, I, well, you mentioned fair games. I thought um, the ones that stood out to me were... It's interesting, PlayStation in the beginning of the PS4 generation used to show a lot of what they had coming up. They used to go, here's Tracer for Last of Us and Spider-Man and, and the Gas Guardian and get people really, really hyped up about things that actually were quite far away. And this time they, they don't do that so much. Um, they, they might tease something a little bit further out, but generally speaking, they sort of go, hey, the big game is the big games are the ones that you're going to play really quite soon, like Spider-Man. And I, I kind of, I, it can always feel a little bit disappointed on the day, but I think I think that was interesting marketing uh, move from them. But um, the things that stood out for me, actually, you know, we've been hearing so much about PlayStation's push into live service. Um, they've been talking about it a lot. They've been buying lots of studios about how they how they want to do that. We know they all, they do have some live service games. Gran Turismo is a live service game. MLB is a live service game. They own Bungie, so Destiny as well is one of their live service games. And what we saw actually were three live service games from them. We saw Marathon, we saw um, Fair Games, as you mentioned, from Haven. And we also saw a teaser for, I think it was called Concord, was that the one? Um, from um, uh, Fire Sprite, um, was it Firewalk? One of the fires. Firewalk. Um, one of the, fires. And, uh, the UK one, I think. Um, and so, um, was that the UK one? I really hope it was. <laughs> the, uh, 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 and it was, it was interesting to see um, the... Um, uh, so it's good. We're starting to see some of that now. That's starting to come out, and that's the stuff that they've been talking about quite a bit. So I was, I was quite um, won over by. Uh, I was quite interested in those. Um, oh, again, not they don't know a lot about them, but they're talking about how they're trying to make things that are a little bit different. I'm not. I wouldn't necessarily think that any of those were particularly different to each other, audience-wise. But um, we're starting to see the first of those. That was quite interesting. And you mentioned the uh, the um, 
the the queue, the um, handheld, um, which I thought was a uh, uh, again rumored beforehand. I think the queue is an interesting thing because um, I initially thought that, that was quite a limited potential because it's sort of a handheld that you need to play in your home by the sounds of it maybe um but then i realized that's how i play my nintendo switch so actually it might be <laughs> personally i'm actually all over it and um and i think there is certainly an audience for people who perhaps don't get as much tv screen time and would like to play spider-man in bed or something so um i thought that was that was quite it was quite interesting it was it wasn't it wasn't like a star-studded showcase but i thought it was a a and interesting actually the biggest surprise for me though and it's it may not be the biggest thing was alan wake 2 digital only that that was the mm-hmm. that was a that that took me that that took me i was a bit unexpected i definitely want to dive back into project q and the live service games but let's talk about that like the idea of alan alan wake alan wake isn't perhaps a full-blown triple a or it is it is a triple a release but it's not like one of the biggest brands. I know there's a lot of kind of excitement for it because we've been waiting so damn long for a sequel. Chris, I know it's a particular favourite of yours. But yeah, a digital-only release for a game of that scale is very surprising. Um, why do you think they've done that? Well, whatever you know, whatever AAA means these days, it certainly looked very good. Right? You certainly wouldn't put it alongside some of those Devolver games and think they're in the same bracket. Right? It, it certainly looked very impressive. I mean, Alan Wake 1 was was a pain right it was a very long development cycle it came out alongside red dead redemption i believe and um and it got uh it got badly impacted it built a cult following over time and it's a wonderful game so i'm glad they've managed to bring it back so i can understand them approaching this in a very conservative way you saw the callisto protocol last year so alan waits a survival horror and callisto protocol uh came out in december last year that game um, actually, you know, it sold decent numbers, really, by by those sort of genre standards. But it, it was a lot of investment, a lot of money went into that title, um, particularly in the marketing side of things. And they were disappointed in the results. And I think Remedy's probably taking an epic, are probably taking a very reasonable view on this and going, look, Alan Wake 1 has a s- small audience. Um, this game hasn't taken a long time to make. They only announced a couple of years ago. Um, they are, they are, they, they've made it look very nice. Let's just be real. Let's, let's not let's not stretch ourselves. Let's not put too much risk into the market. Digital only keeps it safe. It allows us to keep a, a competitive price. All of that stuff I can I can completely get on board with. And they've given these answers. The reason why it surprises me is that it isn't. It is a good looking game. And the, the other thing that I was going to bring up actually is I'm a little worried this Christmas might not be particularly massive for big game releases. And um, I look at Alan Wake too, and I thought, mate, I know it's close to Assassin's Creed. It's not ideal. I look at Alan Wake 2 as potentially being able to benefit from that. I also see, you know, a mid-October release normally means that you've got an opportunity at Black Friday at the end of November. So you launch mid-October at full price, you sell at full price for four or five weeks, and then suddenly you can start discounting around the Black Friday window um, and get that second sort of boost of sales. Um, you, you can do that digitally, sure, but really Black Friday is a gifting sort of physical Christmas sales period, and that tends to be more towards the physical market. So for me, it was it was a surprising decision, but I, I get why they did it. Um, but I'm particularly they. Uh, but you know, I also think there's got to be an opportunity for that premium collector's edition thing. In Dead Space did it with limited run, I believe, and there was a two hundred and fifty pound Resident Evil Four collector's edition and that sold out. And there are Alan Wake fans out there that I know will spend lots of money on a replica typewriter or torch or something. So I'm hoping that they sort of reconsider a little bit on what. On, a, on some physical options come close to launch 
But again, it is it is it is not in this cost of living crisis and this challenging market narrative game. You know, it's it's a around Christmas next to Assassin's Creed. It's perhaps not an. It's it's it's. it's I can understand why they'd be risk averse. That's all I can say. I think you're also hoping that you can get one of those Alan Wake special edition typewriters, aren't you? I'm hoping, I'm hoping the Remedy folks are listening. Uh, I'd love one of those uh, typewriters that don't exist, that I've just willed into existence. So, um, yeah, maybe even like, a, like it can be a controller, like the chainsaw controller that Resident Evil did. Like, can we have a, like a typewriter? Anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> certainly. The other thing, you know, I did mention it there. Um, there's a great uncertainty around what's coming out in the second half of the year. We haven't we haven't seen a lot um, of it. We know there's Starfield, we know there's Spider Man, um, we knew there was Assassin's Creed, um, and I didn't see a lot else actually during the showcase last night that suggested there were some other surprises wait, in, waiting in store. There's nothing from Nintendo currently on the schedule. Um, Xbox, we know there's a, 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 a Forza and Starfield. We don't know much more beyond that. So I'm starting to sh just to get worried that it's not going to be a particularly vintage Q4 again. Um, but we're still early days. We've still got Summer Games Fest kickoff live. We've still got Ubisoft's um, press conference. Um, Nintendo will have some stuff, of course. So I, I, I still um, more to an Xbox showcase. There's still obviously more to be announced. But I wasn't. I didn't come out of the PlayStation showcase thinking, oh, actually, I'm feeling reassured about the rest of the year in terms of sort of the number of big games. I kind of came out of it thinking I I understand now why they distanced it from. All those other events that are coming up like you say like we've got a kind of a a knotty three coming up in the form of summer games first kickoff live xbox direct ubisoft devolver wholesome games direct there's loads of um showcases in that week in june and i don't know i thought when they announced this and it's like it's an hour long it's the playstation showcase it's you know i i seemed to get in my head that ah this is going to be kind of them jumping the gun you know first mover advantage of like here's all our big reveals and for all the games that were unveiled for the first time, it did it did feel like it lacked massive wow moments, and as you say, it didn't give a great insight into a busy Q four if there is a busy Q four. Um, so I kind of now understand why it's like it's kind of distant. Like they never they never described it as their E three style showcase. I think we all certainly I like kind of imagined that. PlayStation don't tend to um, overhype anything or underhype it really. They're they're actually quite um they don't talk too much and i think that's part of the reason why there might it may be some i mean i read some headlines being a bit disappointed i wasn't particularly i thought you know it had the playstation staples in there they had resident evil they had final fantasy they had um uh you know those sort of games they, they had those sort of staples in there what surprised me um i think we are moving away though as an industry from announcing big games too far out i think we got to the point now where they, they might announce a game exists but they're not going to show us anything really until until it gets a bit closer. It'll depend on the game. They approach each game differently. But um, I think we what, one of the things that we've had is a lot of the games that have come out on PlayStation 5 so far, but almost all of them, first-party games anyway, were announced before the PlayStation 5 was, was released. They, they were initially all planned for that first year and they got sort of delayed because of COVID. Um, but we, we, we've seen... We have seen a PlayStation... We, we, so I think people were expecting to see the next batch of ps5 titles and actually we got the next one which is spider-man and we got a hint of what their live service games are like but we we have yet to see what ben are doing and what the next you know what the you know all the ghost of tsushima stuff and wh where then where that's all going next people want to hear and see about those things but i don't necessarily think it's the wrong haul to just go we'll show you that six months out 
you know, or 12 months out. Nintendo's approach has been that now for a while. And it may create a little bit of anxiety amongst core fans and it may frustrate press a little bit. But I think in the, it doesn't really affect the sales of things. Now, remember when God of, people were worried about God of War Ragnarok being delayed because we hadn't seen much of it. And that was just because Sony were, were just holding off until, the, until closer to release. We had the same with Tears of the Kingdom. We saw very little of that game, really, until the last month and a bit. And and look how well that did. I, I, I think we're seeing the industry move closer to to push. And part of that, so they, you know, there's no disappointment in delays or anything. But I think we're seeing industry pushing closer towards showing stuff when it's actually ready to be shown. I do want to go back to the Project Q because as much as like it kind of felt like they kind of skipped over the announcement at the end and I absolutely don't want us to do it um I understand that it, it appealed it appeals to you personally Chris but I, I find myself looking at that and wondering who the target market is like I it seemed surprisingly cautious to me the idea of a, a streaming device that is primarily made for using at home and is essentially kind of a, a controller with a screen rather than a separate device from your console. Um, the the joke I've seen going around this morning is it's basically Sony's answer to the Wii U. Back when uh, Nintendo was trying to sell the idea of the Wii U, allowing you, you allowing your partner to use the TV while you can still play, and I kind of see that. And like, I'm not saying it has no use case. I can see the appeal of that. Yes, I will happily play Spider Man in bed. Thank you. That would be great fun. But I think looking at the market, you're six years into the Switch, proving that a hybrid device can be extremely popular. We're a couple of years into Steam Deck being very popular and showing that people want a range of games available on a, on a handheld that can be taken everywhere. You're starting to see a few more cloud-specific devices like the Logitech G Cloud, and there was a new the As ASOS one, ASOS Agog Rally. I can't remember the name of it. It's an odd name. Um, but then like these cloud-based cloud things that, yeah, provided you've got a good internet connection wherever you are, you have access to your games. Tethering the Project Q to the PS5 and, and kind of keeping you at home, especially because you're, like, you look at the device and because it's essentially two halves of a, a DualSense controller um, stuck onto either side of a tablet, like that's not going to be a cheap piece of kit. I think that's going to have a very high price and a low appeal for how much it costs. And I guess I'm confused as to who the target audience for this is. I understand why uh, why Sony haven't you know gone in with both feet and done another handheld because they've tried that twice and they have been essentially burned twice. But I'm surprised they didn't try something a little harder. They've they've only just announced. I think it was this week they announced the um the official PlayStation Backbone, which is like it's not a full blown DualSense, but it's essentially a PlayStation PlayStation controller that houses your smartphone, and you can then play games on a smartphone. Presumably, there's going to be some sort of re remote play app if there isn't already um, that lets you play your PS5 games on that. But I don't know. It just it seems oddly specific this this device yeah I, I don't think i think it is and i think that's okay i think you don't have to oversell these things you don't have to go oh sony's trying to move into the handheld space and complete with steam deck and 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 switch i, I think this is actually just them going aren't we've got some users who could do with the ability to um take their playstation off the tv screen um and here's a solution to serve that you know I, we can't assume expectations on this. And I, and I, you know, I said to you before, I said to you a moment ago, like 
I, I'm, I've got two young children and I'm re I've really struggled to play my PlayStation and Xbox this year. Switch, even that I've struggled a bit um, because, because of I have very little time I, and I don't even really want to sit in front of my TV for prolonged periods of time. I want to spend time with my family. I, sort of, I want to at least sit with them while they're watching TV and I'm playing on my Switch. This is, a, I'm a big Spider-Man fan and I, and I was sitting there going, oh, I hope Spider-Man 2 is not too long because I'd love a chance to complete that game. And actually, this is a solution for me and I know that I'm a very specific use case, but you know sometimes it's okay to make a, a, an add-on product for a specific use case. People comparing it to the Wii U tablet are, are sort of doing it wrong because the Wii U tablet was was that console. And so Sony's going, no, 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 our console is this, but we've got this thing that you can do. You know, it's the same with that. It's, it's, it's an add-on, it's an accessory. And they've done these things before. You remember when they had the PlayStation TV, which was the 3D uh, TV thing, you know, and all that kind of stuff. They've had these sort of relatively niche uh, uh, interesting hardware propositions that you know some people might like, but ultimately they know it's 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 not it's not going to necessarily revolutionise. You can talk about the Steam Deck. The Steam Deck, I know you can take the Steam Deck out there and on the go and things, but that was built as an add-on to Steam. It wasn't built as a standalone games console. Steam have very been very specific in saying no. This is for Steam users who want to take their library on the go. This isn't for um, for anyone else. And so. So yeah, I, I mean this in a, I don't mean in a, um, I don't mean to dismiss uh, some of the criticism about it, but I just think it's a particular product for a particular reason, that exists for a particular reason, and I think that's fine. Well, at least we know that Sony sold one. Yeah, I mean, in this case. yeah, I'm hoping, I'm, I mean, I'm hoping they send me one, but I mean, I'm joking. I'm, 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 as long as it's not too expensive, I'm definitely, definitely interested in it. My last kind of note, I just wanted to briefly kind of go back to what we were talking about with their live service games. Same as you, like my takeaway from this was that I had hoped to see a little more insight into what Sony has got planned for the live service space. As you say, we've spoken to Jade Raymond before and she said about like, you know, there's a really good range of games in development. Um, we The fact that they opened with Haven's um, Fair Games, I thought was quite a statement of like, yep, this is it. This is our big live service push. Um, it looks good. I think it's, I don't, as you said earlier, like, I don't know if it looks different enough, like in, instantly, like I'm, it's bringing to mind things like Payday 2, um, and obviously got Payday 3 is coming up. It was also making me think like, yo, there is a group of heist games out there. I've been enjoying one that's called Deceive Incorporated. That to me, and again, we're going to personal taste there, but that to me is more interesting than what Fair Games looks like. So I it just didn't look like a slam dunk in terms of like here's a live service that people are really going to gravitate towards um but as you say like we're not at the stage where they are announcing games that far ahead of release sony has been spending years building up the the number of studios working on live service titles but we still don't really have an idea of how long it's going to take to get that out i think my main point i'm trying to make is like as and when there are future showcases i really hope there's a lot of variety both in terms of gameplay and genre but also target audience for their live service games because i think if they've got 12 in oh yeah 10 to 12 in the works they really need to be looking beyond the core gamer at this point yeah well yeah sure but showcases are for the core gamer right they're the people watching and so i can understand that's where they steer towards you remember the years where they used to show wonder book during e3 press conferences and get widely ridiculed for it like it's like sometimes i you know it's i understand why the market is the target market and look i've heard really good things about this haven game sony bought this studio before they'd even released it and they said at the time it was on the strength of what they were building so there's a lot of internal buzz about it so i i obviously we didn't see really much it was, all, it was mostly a teaser for what they were working on and i'm 
and I'm really, you know, and I was, but I mean, and I'm intrigued, but, um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm intrigued, but it's the thing with like, you know, there's a, there's Sony has been making a few bets in the live service space. They will know not all of these bets are going to pay off. Um, and it may be the unexpected one that, that, that sort of shines, shines through. But, uh, I said, I said, and the fact that they open with that one means I think they know where their, their, their big opportunity might be. Um, but, um, uh, but again, it's a tricky space to manage. That is all we've got time for today. We'll be back soon with another GameStreet.biz microcast. In the meantime, you can obviously get more in-depth news and analysis at GameStreet.biz. Thank you so much for joining us as always, and we will be back soon. Mm -hmm.